Welcome to Deep Breath In, the podcast from the BMJ, sponsored by Medical Protection, where we tackle the everyday challenges of being a GP. Today, we're talking about racism in healthcare. For decades, we've been talking of racism as if it were a disease confined to the past, or at least on its way out. In fact, it's still very much alive, but it's taken a global pandemic where deaths from people in ethnic minorities are two to four times higher than in the white majority population, and another brutal murder in the US at the hands of the police for the white majority to make the diagnosis and to realise that the signs and symptoms have been there all along. In healthcare, a lot of discussions focus on government action, but in today's Deep Breath In, we want to focus on what we can be doing as individual GPs and local teams in primary care to change. We'll be hearing from Annabelle Shoramimo, founder of Decolonising Contraception, Jones Sadler, co-chair of the NHS Equality and Diversity Council, and hearing about racism in the US healthcare system from Shawnee Scott. I'm Tom Nolan, GP and clinical editor at the BMJ. And as ever, I'm joined by Navjoy and Jenny. Hi, I'm Navjoy Lada. I'm a clinical editor at the BMJ and a GP in London. And I'm Jenny Rasanathan. I'm a family medicine doctor and a clinical editor for the BMJ. We want to embed discussion about racism into each episode of Deep Breath In, and beginning with this special episode. Navjoy, what are you looking forward to getting out from our chat today? Yeah, I think, as you're saying, Tom, um, with COVID-19 and the death of George Floyd, it's shone a light on racism and reminded us of, I guess, the impact that race has on health, which we know about, but I suppose we don't always remember. Um, And it's certainly, for me, not in a way that I kind of um, live in my day-to-day practice. So I suppose what I'm looking forward to today is just... um, just having an opportunity to reflect on some of that, you know, the the evidence for um, how race and racism impact on health, um, how racism has um, played out within medicine. Um, you know, I think we have to remember that medicine is not separate from society. And if we're saying that, you know, racism exists and permeates through society and, and is structural, then I think it's important that we are alert to how how that can um, influence us as individual practitioners and also the system um, that we work in. Yeah, and and what about you, Jenny? Yeah, I think along similar lines, I have been doing a lot of reflection since we spoke with Toyin Ajay on resetting general practice, um, and when she recommended that we listen to patients during this time where at least during coronavirus um, and when cases are surging, if we're not seeing so many patients in person. And where I've kind of gotten to so far is reflecting on the extent to which racism has been embedded, as you were starting to say, Navjoy, structurally into medicine, into medical education, um, and into healthcare more broadly. And further that silence on our part about the status quo and the racist kind of um, policies and structures that do exist in healthcare 
is complicit, is upholding that system. So I'm keen to start moving toward being more explicitly anti-racist in the way that we work and in the way that we advocate for our patients. Yeah, I think as well as all of that, um, I'm also looking forward to getting some really practical tips from from our experts about what we can be doing as GPs, you know, individually or within our practices to um, yeah, to address or start to address some of these problems. So we're going to start by talking to uh, Annabelle Shoramimo, who's a, a sexual health doctor, but also is a founder of a collective called Decolonizing Contraception. And I spoke to her about some of the, the racist past in, in medicine and healthcare, um, in particular in, in the field of sexual health. Some people initially like, uh, how, what does that even mean? Um, I think it's more apparent um, to non-white people how um, contraception is colonised, in that contraception obviously is to stop people getting pregnant. It's very linked to um, population control um, and stopping certain populations reproducing, who is considered worthy of reproducing, who's considered inferior and superior. And there are quite a lot of um, still colonial undertones, sometimes the policy and the way that contraception and who gets access and who is told that they need sterilization is, not just in the UK, but globally. Mm. So very few people know, for example, that some of the pioneers of what at the time was called family planning, now is more called reproductive health, contraceptive care, um, such as Mary Stokes and Margaret Sanger, the founder of International Planned Parenthood, um, had quite strong ties to the eugenics movement. Um, So that really is at the heart, actually, a lot of um, how kind of contraception and a lot of modern family planning was birthed. Mm. And people aren't really aware of that and how it kind of influences our practice and our policy um, today. So just to add to, to what Annabelle was saying there, I thought um, it was important perhaps to uh, give a couple of examples of, of some of the very racist uh, views that, that these, um, these people had. Um, for instance, uh, Margaret Sanger, who popularised the term birth control, um, here's a quote, Birth control means the release and cultivation of the better racial elements in our society and the gradual suppression, elimination and eventual extirpation of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. And similarly, Mary Stopes, a UK figure, um, she in 1920 uh, wrote about looking forward to legislation that would ensure the sterility of the hopelessly rotten and racially diseased. You know, these weren't just people with racist views, but these are really seem central to their their beliefs and and yeah their legacy. I mean, it is it's utterly appalling to hear that, right? Mm. Um, and it just really hits home with the way that um, our speech has changed over time. So that you know, no one would ever say those things, you know, in the public sphere 